0: Wow, you guys look lovely. Happy Valentine's Day. I love all your little braids. You look so cute. This room is packed. I love it. Thank you so much for coming to celebrate with us tonight. How about that pre-party? Did you guys have fun? That was pretty special. Uh, I have to, to just thank a couple of people before we get started here. Afton Filkins, stand Aubrey Oaks and Haley Wilson. These three girls make up my his event team, and and they have spent hours putting this together at the beginning of the year we got together to kind of map out all the his events for 2019 and we spent the whole day talking about this event planning it and visualizing it and aubrey's over there with a pen mapping things drawing things sketching things we're looking up balloon vendor like all this stuff we spent the whole day planning and then these three spent days and hours executing it all so tonight would not have been possible if it not For these three, I'm so thankful for them. The chemistry that they have, the gifts that they have, and that they're using those gifts to love on God's girls. I just think it's amazing. So if you see them after the service, give them a great big hug and tell them thank you. And then also all of our volunteers, everybody who came early to restock LaCroix, and to tie up chocolate boxes, our braiders, the massage therapists, every person, the greeters. Thank you so much. New song, Worship. That was so good. I texted my husband, and I was like, dude, you missed it. Like, (laughs) you missed the best new song, Worship, ever. It was so good. Thank you, guys, for, for getting here early, setting this all up. And and making sure that you ushered us into the presence of God like you did. I also want to just take a second and tell you about our next His event. Okay, it's a couple months away, but I want you to circle this date. Put it on your iPhones. It's May 8th. May 8th. That's a Wednesday night. It's right here at Noah's. It's a free event So it's going to fill up really fast. As you can see, we are full tonight. It's going to fill up really fast. So when you see the the, uh, info go out about signing up, make sure that you sign up and reserve your spot. But what it is, it's called asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. And we are going to ask you to submit those questions that you've always wanted to know the answer to. You've wanted to hear a godly answer, but you've maybe been too embarrassed to ask or you didn't know a godly person to ask a question like, uh, what do I tell my sister if I'm not comfortable allowing my children to spend the night at their house or her house? Or should I put my teenage daughter on birth control? Or what do I do if I'm not physically attracted to my husband anymore? Hashtag asking for a friend. You want to know, <laughs> and we want to help you. We want to help you. So, so here's what we're going to do. That night, Trudy and I, my mother-in-law... She's not just my mother-in-law, but she is one of the most godly and wise women that I know. If I am ever struggling or need help, she's the first person that I turn to. She does a lot of counseling. She teaches on marriage and family all over the country. So me and her are going to field a bunch of questions that night. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. It's going to be a night full of truth, and where there's a spirit of truth, there's freedom. So we believe that people are going to enter into new levels of freedom. So here's what you have to do. You can start tonight, actually, not right now, but when you get home, if you've got a question that came to your mind, like, man, I'd really like to know the answer to this, go to newsongpeople.com slash asking, newsongpeople.com slash asking, you can submit your question and it's 100% anonymous. We will not know that you sent it. So if you have any, send those our way and save the date, May 8th, it's going to be amazing. All right, you guys ready to get into the Word? All right, get out your Bibles, get out your notebooks, if you have the New Song app, you can open your app, we've got the sermon notes in there, you can follow along, fill in the blanks, if you don't have the New Song app, go ahead and get it, you can do that real quickly, just go to the app store, search New Song OKC, you can download our app, everything's right there at your fingertips, and then also let me say this. I know there's a ton of people in this room that I've never seen before in my life. This is your first time at anything New Song related. Listen, if you're looking for a church home, join us on Sunday. We'll be here on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., At 1045 and at 1230, we've got three services to choose from. So if you're looking for a place, if you want to experience worship like that, if you want to get fed the word, if you want to grow, if you want to be connected to the best people in Oklahoma City, then come see us on Sunday morning. We'd absolutely love for you to join us. All right, you got your Bibles. You're turning to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, and while you're turning there, I want to preface preface tonight's message with something, okay? This message is for your good, okay? Say, it's for my good. My good. Now, uh, 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 it's for your good. It's meant to help you. It's, me- it's not meant to condemn you, okay? It's meant to keep you from danger. It's meant to protect you and the call that God has on your life. It's going to go kind of something like this, okay? My husband has a little tiny Volvo. I have a big Nissan Armada. I don't like draw, driving my husband's car. It's little, like I don't feel as safe as I do when I'm in my big car, and his sound system is not near as good as my sound system. And if I'm in the car, I am bumping, y'all. Like my windows, for some, whatever reason, we got the car with like the most tinted windows ever. And so my windows are tinted, and I'm bumping in my car. So anyways, I like my car way better than Josh's. But the other day, I was on my way to work out, and he's behind me, and I don't feel like switching the cars around. So I take his car about 20 minutes across town. And his car is really smart and also kind of a narc. Like, <laughs> she really gets on my nerves. So I'm driving around, and she knows when I'm speeding. And she'll say, you are over the speed limit. <laughs> and every time, every time that she does it, it takes me off. I'm like, listen, lady, I'm passing a car. Like, I'm passing, of course I'm over the speed limit. Or everybody knows you can go five over. I've only got one, I've only got one ticket in my entire 17 years of driving. I don't need you telling me how to drive my car. It ticks me off. It interrupts the song, like the song goes quiet and she starts talking. It's awful. (laughs) But think about this. It's kind of crazy that I'd get so offended because this car is actually just trying to help me. She's trying to protect me. Volvo loves me. They're trying to keep me from getting a speeding ticket. But there's something inside every one of us that when somebody comes along and corrects us, we take offense to it. We put up a wall. But really, when somebody corrects us, listen, it's a sign that they love you, that they care about you, and that they want the very best for you. So tonight, there's going to be some correction in this message, and there's going to be some warning in this question, but every time the Holy Spirit pokes a little bit, every time he prods a little bit, I want that to remind you that there's someone that God loves you, and he cares about you, and he wants the very best for you. Amen? <clears throat> All right. 1 Corinthians 13, one. Look at this with me on the screen. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So if I could speak all the languages of earth and of heaven, but I didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I don't know what kind of power that my mom has that has enabled her to do this, but... I'm convinced it's something superhuman, okay? Every toy, every VHS, every puzzle, every board game, every toy that we played with growing up, she still has, and it's in close to mint condition. Am I right? Okay, and it's not because we didn't play with it. There were seven of us kids, and we all played with the toys. And then 20-something grandkids have come along and played with the toys, and yet still, there they are in mint condition. I'm telling you, it's something superhuman. And this is one of those toys. Does anybody remember this toy from childhood? The 1979 Fisher-Price drum set. This was around at our house, and... uh, It must have been one of my older sisters because I was born in 85, but I played with it and so did all the siblings and all the nieces and nephews, Uh, but it's a pretty cool little toy. You've probably seen something similar. It's got a little tambourine when you open it up. It's like a band inside. It's got drumsticks, of course, so you can put this around and you can be in a little drum line. It's got little, these cute little lime green maracas. Those are nice, pleasant. It's got a little harmonica which is gross like No, let's not Fisher Price. And then it's got the symbols. Now this is a really great toy. Okay, everybody loves this toy. All the kids loved it. It's a great toy until the toddler figures out how to work the symbols. And then it's the most awful, annoying toy on the planet. I remember my mom like seeing my nephew Colton sitting down with us and her going over and showing him how to use the symbols. And everybody's going, no, what are you doing? Don't teach him how to use the symbols. Then it becomes their worst toy ever. Anytime the symbols start, anytime a toddler starts playing with this, our first instinct is shut the door and leave. Get, a, get as far away from the clanging symbol as humanly possible in order to keep our sanity. Now, this is what Paul says as he gets ready to describe this beautiful picture of what love is. He says, listen, if you don't love others like this, you're going to be a clanging symbol. You're going to be somebody who is, can you take this, who is repelling people instead of compelling people. And that's a really frightening thought. People are going to avoid you. They're going to close the door on you. You're not going to be able to have influence in their life. And when you lose your influence, then you can't fulfill the destiny that God has put on your life. We're supposed to be drawing people in to us so that we can draw people in to him. But it doesn't work if we don't have love. Do you repel people or do you compel people? Really ask yourself, search your heart. We have to do everything, filter every word, every thought, every action through this filter of love. Now let's look what what Paul goes on to describe. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, okay? First Corinthians 13, three through seven. He says, love is patient and kind. Love's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, sometimes when we've seen a scripture like that so many times, and we've heard it so many times, and it's hanging up in our house, it can kind of lose its value. So I want to read it one more time in the Passion Translation, and I'm hoping that this fresh take will kind of stir some things in your heart. Okay, look at this with me. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honestly Our honesty, and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as a defeat, for it never gives up. Now, I wanted tonight, my first thought was, I'm going to break this whole chapter down, and we're going to talk about what love is and what love is not. But if we did that, we'd be here till like 3 a.m., and we only have the place till about 9 So I just asked the Holy Spirit, like, what's the one thing? Like, show me one part of the scripture that's going to be the most helpful. What one thing do you want me to talk about out of this passage? And I heard resoundingly, jealousy. So tonight, if you're taking notes, the name of this message, the title of this message is Jealous Much? Jealous Much? How you doing with jealousy? Now, I do want to encourage you to go back and study these on your own, in your quiet time, this week, this month. What does this look like in your life? Are you carrying these things out or are you walking around like a clanging cymbal? But tonight, we're gonna unpack jealousy. We're gonna expose jealousy. I love to expose things that the enemy tries to put in our hearts to get us off track. We're gonna expose jealousy. Jealousy is something that all humans deal with, but I think that women tend to deal with it more than men. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my my thought. And so since we're all women here, I think this is going to be a really eye-opening night. I want you to see what jealousy does. The Lord showed me this this week. This is why it's so important that we expose it. Because jealousy is something that holds us back. It steals our joy. It ruins great friendships. And it aborts friendships before they even have a chance to be born. It leaves us feeling less than. It steals our voice, and it drives a wedge between us and God. Listen, ladies, jealousy is dangerous. Jealousy is what killed Abel. Jealousy is what threw Joseph in a pit. Jealousy is what sold him into slavery. And look at this, jealousy is what put Jesus on the cross. Look at this in Matthew 27. It says, so when they assembled for this purpose... Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to set free, Barabbas or Jesus? For Pilate knew it was because of jealousy that the chief priests and elders had handed Jesus over to them. They were jealous. Jealous, Jealousy makes people do crazy things, and jealousy and love cannot coexist. If you're jealous, you're going to be a clanging symbol repelling people instead of compelling people 1 Corinthians 13:4 love is not okay love is not Jealous. there you go okay here's here's a working definition of jealousy write this down jealousy is a desire for another's gifts their possession their position or their achievements Jealousy is a desire for another's gifts, their possessions, their position, or their achievements. Now, when I was growing up, I think that there was a lot less opportunity for jealousy. Obviously, jealousy has existed since the beginning of time, but I think there's a lot more opportunity nowadays. For jealousy. Like when I was growing up, I, I knew like when my my friends that lived in my neighborhood got a new car over the summer, but I didn't know about all my other friends that didn't live in my neighborhood. I didn't know where they were vacationing, how long they were vacationing, what they looked, and look, looked like in their swimsuit. My parents didn't know that their friends were going on a date night together every week. They didn't know that, that these kids had got these special awards at school. We didn't know that we didn't get invited to this or that or that these people were hanging out without us and we were happy not knowing. We were happy not knowing. I mean sure like I was jealous when this person made a sports team and I didn't or this person got a brand new Jeep Wrangler when they turned 16 and I had to work and buy my own car and pay for my own insurance and even then I got a 1997 turquoise Nissan Altima. (laughs) So there were things to be jealous but I think the opportunity now, there's way more opportunity for jealousy because We have access to a continual feed of the world's highlight reel right at our fingertips. We are constantly, daily, minute to minute, second to second, bombarded with everybody's gifts, their talents, their achievements, their position, their possessions. It's right here updating for us every second. Look at this. Look at that. They're so great. They've got this. It's right here at our fingertips. Think about it. We've all been there. We get on Instagram, and we're scrolling, and we see a picture of a girl we went to high school with, and she's had four kids, like we've had four kids, but there she is in Cancun, and she looks flawless in her bathing suit, and you're pinching and like pulling, like (laughs) 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 you're laughing because you've done it. You know you've done it, and we're trying to see, is is she really look that good? Dang it, she really does look that good, and we heart the photo, while we despise our body and despise her body. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and it's going to be blowing up on social media. How wonderful my husband, I'm going to do a post about how wonderful my husband is, because he is wonderful. But there's going to be, there's going to be posts about people's dates, what they got, where they're going, what kind of jewelry they got, all over what, how amazing their kids are. are the whole day tomorrow is going to be about how great everybody else is. And I don't care how great of a Valentine's Day you have tomorrow, somebody on your social media feed is going to have a better one than you had. And you're going to like that photo while you kind of sulk about, I wish I would have had a Valentine's Day like they had a Valentine's Day. Or maybe at Christmas time. You see this tidy house with a perfectly lit tree, with two cute little perfect children sitting under the tree, <laughs> and you like the photo, you heart the photo, but you despise your tree and your lights, and all of a sudden, your happy home doesn't feel as happy anymore. Or Maybe you see a family on vacation, they're making memories, and you like it, you, you heart it as you wish you had enough money to go on family vacations and you wish you had a family that you enjoyed spending time with. It's right there at our fingertips. And it seems harmless. It does. To heart and scroll and heart and scroll and wish and heart and scroll. But I'm telling you, when you're doing that, your soul is being contaminated with jealousy. And that contamination is affecting your ability to love. And this is a big deal, because the great and supreme commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor, or to love others as ourselves. But we can't really love that neighbor if we're jealous of that neighbor. So this contamination is not okay. It's affecting our ability to love. Now some of you are thinking, well, I don't even have social media, so I am off the hook. But we all know that it's not contained. It's not restricted to only people using social media. You probably walked into this room. There are some of you that walked into this room tonight and you experienced feelings of jealousy. Her braid looks better than mine. She looks better in those jeans than I do. I wish I had those shoes. There's feelings of jealousy that arise no matter what. You may, you may experience uh, jealousy with somebody you don't even know or you haven't even met. You can be at Target and you see this family and their toddler is sitting in that thing and they're so well behaved and you're just like, oh, I wish I had a toddler. Like, can we swap toddlers? <laughs> so jealousy, we're, we're, all, uh, we're all subject to fault. Pray to it. We're all subject to this. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe this. Let me ask you this question is there somebody that you just don't like? Just don't like them. You've never really thought about why you don't like them. You just know you don't like that person. Every time you see them, every time you think about them, it's just like, bleh. (laughs) I don't like that person. But here's the truth. I think if we were to really dig deep, and ask ourselves, why, why don't I like that person? It's because they have something that you wish that you had. Maybe they haven't worked as hard as you, but they've achieved more than you. Maybe they can eat whatever they want and they never have to work out and you have to count every calorie and you have to be at the gym every day. It's not fair, right? Maybe you've been here longer than they have at this church, but they seem to have more friends with you or than you and they seem to have more opportunity than you. Maybe their husband spoils them more than your husband spoils you. Maybe their kids are cuter than your kids or smarter than your kids. Whatever the case, our emotional response when somebody has something that we want and we don't have, our emotional response is to dislike them because we don't understand we're dealing with jealousy. The closer we get to this person, the worse they make us feel about ourselves. So we pull away, we push away, we retreat, and we think that the further away from them that, that we are, then the further away from the problem we will be. But the problem is not the person. The problem is not the person. Maybe you've said things like, I can't be friends with her because she's too pretty. She's too nice. She's too, like, spiritual. She's too positive. She's too, uh, she's too outgoing. She's too shy. Uh, she's too rich. She's too smart. I just don't like her. But in reality, those to this and to that people are, are just reminding you that there's something that you're not that you want to be. The problem is not with them. Our problem is not with people. And here's how I know. I've seen this play out with women a lot, okay? This is a true story, y'all, okay? So I had this friend and I had another friend and this one friend, she was like, I could never be friends with this friend ever. She's like, I could never be friends with that girl. And the reason why, she even said, like, I knew I couldn't be friends with her before I even talked with her because she saw this girl in a crowd of people. She's beautiful. I mean, strikingly beautiful. She's beautiful. She's outgoing. And the, the, the friend that didn't like her, she wanted to be beautiful and outgoing and just own a crowd the way that this girl did. And so when she saw that girl doing that, she was like, don't like her, could never be friends with her. Okay, well, <laughs> several months go by, a couple years go by, and they start becoming friends. What changed? The beautiful girl, the outgoing girl, she got pregnant. Now, I think, honest to God, that pregnant people are the most gorgeous people in all of the land, but this friend here was like, okay, her face is pretty still, but now our bodies are close, so I can stand her. Okay, I know it's sick, I know it's twisted, but it's real, it happens. This idea of beauty that she had, that she wanted, now it, it's, not, it's not as threatening anymore. So now she can find, she can all of a sudden stand this person. Now they can be friends, okay? Think about it the opposite way. Maybe you've had a friend in your life and you've, you guys have gotten along swimmingly all your life. You've been close, you've been friends, you admire each other, you're, you're, you're close friends, you're right here. And then all of a sudden, this friend, she starts to get more popularity. She starts to get more followers on Instagram. She starts to make more money. She gets a promotion. And now, for some reason, you don't know why, but you can't stand this person anymore. Everything they do gets on your nerves. Every, every post that they make, everything that they say, why? Because you feel like she's no longer your equal. Jealousy sets in. You think the problem is with this person, but your problem is not with this person. Here's where your problem, here's who your problem is with. Your problem is with God. Your problem is with God. If you have a problem with jealousy, you have a problem with God. Jealousy says, God owes me. God owes me better looks Better friendships, a better marriage, a larger platform. God owes me popularity, more finances, a better lifestyle. He owes me better children. He owes me more opportunity. He owes me more talents and gifts. Jealousy says, God has shortchanged me. Jealousy says, God's not fair. My husband works just as hard as her husband. Why do they get to live in that fancy house and we have to live in this dump? It's not fair. We tithe 10% just like they tithe 10%. Why is their business flourishing and ours isn't? It's not fair. This church has only been around for two years and we've been around for four. Why do they have a permanent building and we're still here? It's not fair. I've never had those thoughts before. It's not fair. We think that God is not fair. Listen, God has been more than fair in his dealings with me and more than fair in his dealings with you. He's offered us forgiveness and eternal life through his son Jesus. He's been more than fair. I love that song that we sang. Why should I gain from you? Like, he's been more than fair. And further, He's the king and the creator of all things, and he can do as he pleases. If he wants to give this person something, he can do as he pleases. He's not obligated to treat us in a way that we feel is fair. He's not obligated to that. What he is obligated to is his word, and his word says that he's working all things together for our good. It doesn't say he's working all things together fairly, but he's working all things together for our good, for our individual good. Fair is actually not what we want. We don't want fair. Think about this. Imagine if somebody came up with a way to collect every bit of beauty, every bit of talent, every ounce of prosperity, every ounce of smarts, of brains. They, they found a way to collect it all. They collected all the gifts and talents and beauty in the world, and they put it in this big vase, this big jar. And then they find a, found a way to line up 7.7 billion people, all the people on the planet. And then they distributed those gifts and talents evenly. So all the people are lined up, and here they go. Here's a little bit of looks for you, a little bit of athleticism for you, a little bit of smarts for you. Here's a little bit of looks for you, a little bit of smarts for you, a little bit of athleticism for you, and here's a little bit of smarts. Okay, if that happened... 7.7 7.7 billion people sharing all the gifts and talents and beauty equally. Here's what happens. We all take a lot of steps back. We're an ugly and an uneducated and an unathletic, no gifts, no talents society. We're all living at a very low level. I read this this week because I was Googling, like, what would it look like if the world were, were distributed with even talents, if it was all fair, I read this. says, a world with evenly distributed talents would be much inferior to the world with uneven distribution because our need for cooperation would be significantly weaker. We all have the same stuff, so we don't have to cooperate with one another. Okay, then look at this. Competition would be much greater. We think competition is bad now. Think about if we're all right here, we're all competing, it's, it would be so much worse. Finally, When everyone is much alike in abilities and possession, the world becomes a very boring place. A significant amount of diversity makes for a more interesting community and more interesting relationships. If there is talent distributed evenly, there's no Tom Brady. There's no Michael Jordan. There's no Adele. There's no Joanna Gaines. There's no Lauren Daigle. There's no Dr. Seuss. There's no Steve Jobs. There's no me and there's no you. If the talent, if the gifts are evenly distributed, there's no me and there's no you. Here's what you have to understand. God has a purpose for my life, and he has a purpose for your life. And your purpose is not my purpose, and my purpose is not your purpose. So when he made me, he knew my purpose, and he distributed to me a set of gifts, talents, and skills that would help me to fulfill that purpose. And then he knew your purpose, so he distributed to you a gift of gifts, talents, skills that you need to fulfill your purpose. Now, if your purpose starts to look more attractive to me than my purpose, and I start trying to fulfill your purpose with the wrong set of gifts, This is when I feel like God has shortchanged me, because I'm trying to do something that he hasn't gifted me to do. We don't want fair. It's not what we want. And if we start to feel this way, that God has shortchanged me, we're going after this person's purpose without the right tools and equipment and gifts and skill sets to do it, we start to feel gypped, we start to think God has ripped us off, and that affects every aspect of our relationship with God. A.W. Tozer said this, what I believe about God is the most important thing about me. What I believe about God is the most important thing about me. So what do you believe about God when it comes to how he made you, how he created you, the gifts, the talents, the skills that he's put in you? Do you think he's ripped you off? Because if you do, it's gonna affect everything about your relationship with him. Fair is not what we want. What we're after is actually more. We don't want fair. Fair would be boring. We want more. Okay, look at this with me. Matthew 20. We're gonna read a really eye-opening parable. Jesus taught this parable. It's called the workers in the vineyard. And I love this because I think it really exposes what's going on in our heart when we're dealing with jealousy. Okay, so follow along uh, here with me, Matthew 21 through 2, it's up on the screen. Uh, It says, this will help you understand the way heaven's kingdom operates. This is Jesus. He's like, you want to understand how God's kingdom operates? This will help you understand, okay? He says, there once was a wealthy landowner who went out at daybreak to hire all the laborers he could find Uh, to work in his vineyard. So imagine the scene with me, okay? The sun is coming up. It's a new day. There's a little chill in the air. The birds are singing. There's like a glow over the town. This guy's beautiful vineyard is there. It needs to be worked. So he heads out to the town uh, square to hire some people to work in the vineyard, okay? Uh, Let's see. Do we read this part? Yes. Do we read this part? There once was a wealthy, after agreeing to pay them the standard's day's wage, he put them to work. Okay, so he comes across these guys. They've been there. You know, the early bird gets the worm, type of thing, and he's like, do you want to, to work in the vineyard? And they say yes, and he agrees to pay them a full day's wage, okay? So if these guys were living in Oklahoma City, and they're making a minimum wage, and they're going to work a full day of work, it'd be 58 bucks, okay? You work in the vineyard all day, I'll give you 58 bucks, and they say deal, okay? Then look at verse 3. Then at nine o'clock. As the landowner was passing through the town square, he found others standing around without work. He told them, "Come and work for me in my vineyard, and I'll pay you a fair wage." So they went to join the others. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock, making the same arrangement he did with the others. So he's got his sunup crew; they're already working, but he's realizing, like, we're not going to finish unless I go hire more people. So he goes and he gets a crew at nine o'clock. They agree, they go to work again, they're working, we're not going to finish, I need more guys. He goes again at noon and again at three. And so now he's got a field full of laborers. Now look at verse six. Hoping to finish his harvest that day, he went to town square again at five o'clock in the evening and he found more who were idle. So he said to them, why have you been here all day without work? Because no one hired us, they answered. So he said to them, then go and join my crew and work in my vineyard. So he's now hired one last group of workers at five o'clock. Then in verse eight, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard went to his foreman and said, call in all the laborers, pay them the same wages, starting with the most recent ones I hired and finishing with the ones who worked all day. Okay, so now imagine this scene in your head. The sun is starting to set the locusts are starting to buzz. There's some guy. they've been working all day, some are super sunburned and sweaty, and then some less than others, and some just got there. They're looking pretty fresh, like they've only been there for an hour. But the the, the guy calls them all in, come on, it's time to get paid, the workday's over, and he lines them all up. And the land owner said, line them up in the order, like the, the guys that got there at Five o'clock and only worked an hour, they get paid first. Then pay the three o'clock crew. Then pay the noon crew. Then pay the nine o'clock crew. Then pay the sun up crew. So the guy agrees. Verse nine: When those hired late in the day, the ones that have only been working an hour, when they came to be paid, they were given a full day's wage. Okay, so imagine the guys who showed up last—they get a full day's pay. They get the fifty-eight bucks. And so you can imagine for them, they're kind of like, this is awesome. A second ago, an hour ago, they were thinking the work day's almost gone, and I'm going to have to go home and tell my family that I stood out there all day and no one hired me and I didn't get anything. But now they get to go home and say, you'll never believe what happened. I worked for only an hour, and this man was so generous. He gave me a full day's wage." They'd be so excited. So they're pumped, they're leaving, they're going home to tell their family the good news. Now the people at the end of the line, who have been there since sunup, they see this go down, and they're thinking, sweet, he paid that guy 58 bucks, and they've only been here an hour, so I'm going to be getting way more than, than was originally agreed upon. He's probably like, okay, he worked one hour for 58 bucks, I've worked eight hours, eight, eight times 58, carry the one. I'm going to be able to take that vacation. I'm going to pay off that camel. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) This is going to be sweet. Okay, but let's look what happens. Verse 10, and when those who had been hired first came to be paid, they were convinced that they would receive more, but everyone was paid the standard wage. Every worker the ones at five, the ones that came at three, the ones that came at noon, the ones that came at nine, the ones that came at sunup. They were all paid the same wage, fifty-eight dollars. Look how the sun up guys reply. When they realized what had happened, they were offended and complained to the landowner saying, You're treating us unfairly. They've only worked for one hour while we slaved and sweated all day under the scorching sun. You've made them equal to us. The landowner replied, Friends, I'm not being unfair. I'm doing exactly what I said. Didn't you agree to work for the standard wage? Remember at 6 a.m. when I said I'll pay you 58 bucks? And you said, yeah, you agreed to it? He goes on to say, if I want to give those who only worked for an hour equal pay, listen to this, what does that matter to you? That's That's a good thing to write down. Go ahead. What does that matter to you? don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Why should my generosity make you jealous of them? Think about this. What really heated these guys and ticked them off was not because they got paid too little. It was because those guys got paid too much. Their problem was not with the sun-up crew, or the 5 p.m. crew, their problem was with the generous landowner, who in this story represents God. Their problem was with him. You were too generous to those people. Listen, if you're dealing with jealousy, your problem's not with your sister. It's not with your sister-in-law. It's not with your friend. It's not with your coworker. It's not with your husband. Your problem is with God's generosity. Now, it's about to get fun. It's time for some crowd participation. I can feel it. We need to cut the tension in this room. Okay, if you're a mom with a child under the age of one, raise your hand. Becky Woodall, first hand, come up here. (laughs) Becky Woodall, listen. I know what it's like to have a child under one. And she's pregnant, by the way. And how old Uh, is... I'll have three under three. three, She's going to have three under three, okay? I know what it's like. Child under one. It's a super fun season, right? It's a lot of work, though. It's a lot of sacrifice. You don't get a lot of time to pamper yourself. So I just wanted to bless you. Here's a hundred dollar gift card to Bell Strada. You. Right? You can pamper yourself. Go get a massage, a facial, whatever you want. Were you expecting that? No. Just a just a nice gift. Best his event ever, right? Okay. Yes. Let's give Becky a hand. Okay. I want to get I wanna bless another. If you're a mom with a child under one, raise your hand. Mom with a child under one. Right here. Come on up. What's your name? Ayla. Ayla, how old's your little one? Eight months. Eight months old. I know what it's like to have an eight-month-old. It's fun, but it's a lot of work, right? A lot of sacrificing. You don't get a lot of time to pamper yourself. So we just want to bless you. Here's a $100 gift card to Bella Strada. It's a really nice spa. You go get yourself a manicure, a pedicure, a facial, whatever you want. There you go. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. I am feeling, uh, I, I want to give one more away. If you are a mom with a child under the age of one, raise up your hand. Jana. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jana. How old are your boys? I have a boy and a girl. Two a boy and a girl. Months. Okay. Two and three months? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know what it's like to have a two-month-old or a two-year-old and a three-month-old. It's a lot of work. It's really fun, but it's a lot of sacrifice, not a lot of me time, not a lot of time to pamper yourself, right? So you're expecting a $100 gift card, right, to Bella Strada, I'm sure, but I'm going to give you a $300 gift card to Bella Strada. You can spend the whole day there, okay? Massage, facial, you can do it all with $300, so there you go. Let's give Jana a big hand. Okay. So mom number one and mom number two, I know that because you're human, (laughs) when Jana got that $300 gift card, your gift card lost a little bit of its shine. (laughs) Everybody in this room was like, oh, yay, mom one and mom two. But then when I gave Jana 300, they were like, oh, that's kind of mean. Like, that's not fair. In fact, I was telling Josh about this illustration and he was like, you can't do that, babe. He was like, that's so not fair. And I was like, okay, hold on. You're telling me that giving two women, unsuspecting women, a $100 gift card to Bella Strada is not fair? And he was like, oh, wait. That's actually really, really nice. It just doesn't seem fair when you throw the $300 gift card in there. And I think sometimes that's how we see things. Everyone was so excited when they got the $100 gift cards. and like, oh, that's so nice. It's so great. But as soon as the gift card with more comes into the picture then it's like, that's not fair. It's like our kids. If I were to give my son Gus a scoop of ice cream, put it in his his little blue bowl, and he goes and sits down at the table, he's happy, he's enjoying his little scoop of ice cream, and then I call in Bo, my second daughter, and say, or my first daughter, and say, Here, here's a scoop of ice cream, go sit down, go have ice cream with Gus. She's enjoying her ice cream, but then Sunny comes in, our youngest, and I give Sunny two scoops. She goes to sit down with Gus and Bo. You better believe they're no longer happy with what's in their bowl. Because Sunny got two scoops. Hear me tonight. Write this down. Keep your eyes on your own bowl. (laughs) Keep your eyes on your own bowl. God has the right to do what he wants with what is his. He has not shortchanged you. He really hasn't, but you're always going to feel that way if you don't understand what he's already given to you. And I want to show you that tonight. I want to show you what Every person in this room, if you're born again, if you're not, this is available to you. If you receive Christ as your Savior, every person who's born again, I want to show you what He's already put in your bowl, so you can be focused on that. Ephesians one three, it says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. It's already been lavished upon us as a love gift, the best love gift, better than chocolate, better than roses, better than massages, a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. That's why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Now, I want you to read this with me. I want you to read it out loud, but I made it personal, okay? So we're going to try to do this all together. Like, let's keep a good cadence here, okay? Let's read it. You ready? Here we go. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon me as a love gift from my wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees me wrapped into Christ. This is why I celebrate him with all my heart. Hear me every spiritual blessing has already been given to you. You may not have the figure that you want. You may not have a uh, three-figure salary. You may not have an honor student child, but you do have what you need. You have exactly what you need. You've already been given every spiritual blessing. So what the heck does that mean? It kind of sounds like Christianese. What do you mean every spiritual blessing? What does that even mean? I want to show you. Look at this in Ephesians 6 through 12. This is a lot of scripture, but I want you to really see this tonight because this is the thing that's going to set you free from ever having to deal with jealousy again. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had you in mind. There's a scoop into your bowl. He settled on you. Another scoop as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy. There's a really great scoop by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt you into his family through Jesus Christ. Another scoop. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted you. He wanted you. To enter into his celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, you're a free person. That's a great scoop. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all your misdeeds. And not just barely free, either, abundantly free. He thought of everything. He provided everything you could possibly need, letting you in on the plans. He took such delight in making. He set it all out before you in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything will be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that you Find out who you are and what you are living for. Long before you first heard of Christ and got your hopes up, he had his eye on you. He just keeps adding and adding and adding to your bowl. He had designs on you for glorious living not just getting by not bottom of the barrel not paycheck to paycheck not not depression not anxiety not stress not cancer he had plans on you for glorious living part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone so in case you missed it i want to recap what you have already been given in your bowl okay Focus of God's love. You are the focus of God's love. You've been made whole and holy. You've been adopted into God's family. You're the celebration of His lavish gift giving. You're a free person, abundantly free. You've been provided for every single thing that you could possibly need. Everything, it says it. Do you believe it? You've been let in on His long range plan, you've been given identity. You can know who you are and why you are. And then lastly, you're the apple of his eye. Listen to me. God has his eye on you. He's always had his eye on you. His eye on you for glorious living. So why do you have your eye on her? Why do you have your eye on her when he's got his eye on you? His Is all about women who prize being found in Christ. That's what this is all about. Women who prize being found in Christ. And women who do prize being found in Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.